Well, hello, everyone. This is Shelters by Jesus radio podcast. Thank you for joining us and making us part of your day. My name is Al. I'm here with my co-host, Seth, and we have a very special guest today, don't we, Seth? We do. Pastor Gary Staples. He's back with us, and so stay tuned. So you you kind of ended, Al, this, the first podcast talking about the gift of God. Yes. And I love that so much because none of us qualify for salvation. None of us can earn it. He's, he's already said our righteousness is his filthy rags. Mm. We can't be good enough. There's nothing we can do to make me better than you, Al, so I deserve salvation. You don't. It's a free gift of God. And, you know, there's another role here, too, that happens, too, and that is the Holy Spirit will draw someone to him. Mm. I, I hear occasionally I'll hear people say, like, well, I've chosen Jesus. Well, he chose you first, actually. That's right. how it really goes. Yes, you answered the call and, and made the right choice. But I think let, let's not forget that. And so I, as I pray for some people and that they can meet Jesus, I definitely will ask the Holy Spirit to come in. Sure. You know, I pray frequently, please, Holy Spirit, go before me. Yeah. Kind of set the table. Yeah. And, and then please fill me up and be with me. You know, I know he's with me and he'll never leave me or desert me, but just let me really experience the power that you, you offer and to use me in that way too. And then hang around after, would you? Mm. You know, just let that seed, you know, really begin to grow. I forgot to take off my little, they gave, they didn't give me a real key. So I, where I'm at school and so I'm teaching in elementary, I'm going to finish out the year. It's my swan song teaching my last year, full-time anyway. And so they talked me out of retirement. So I have a, a skeleton key. And so kids will be like, what's that? And I'll be like, oh, it's the key that opens the treasure chest. And they'll be like, there's no treasure chest. And I'm like, oh, yes, there is. Someday I'll, I can maybe even tell you about it. So it lays next to my heart, and I've had an opportunity on a few occasions, you know, to just kind of hint at what's going on in, in Al's life and what that treasure really is. Mm. And, and of course, we at this table know that God considers this his own special treasure, but that treasure that we have answered the call to is Jesus Christ. So there's the gospel. We kind of spread that out, and we offer it. It's free gift. One of the biggest questions I get when I'm explaining to residents here about Jesus Christ is, well, I don't know if I'm good enough yet, or I, there's some things I need to do first, or, you know, he can't forgive me for what I did. Trying to dispel that rumor that you got to clean up first. Jesus doesn't want you until you come to him already cleaned up. And I tell them, you know, you're missing out on the joy of what God does. He doesn't want you to clean up. He doesn't want, he doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care about these things. He can do all things. And he wants to be the one to clean you, to correct you, to raise you up. So you can actually accept Christ anywhere, anytime, no matter what's going on, no matter what you've done, Jesus Christ wants you. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. You know, uh, I mentioned before that uh, we need to know what the gospel is, even, you know, as bringing it with us, even theologically in our teaching and stuff. But you just you just uh, shared a counseling session, mm-hmm. right? That sounded like a counseling session. Yeah, which uh, has happened a lot. Right. And, and that that's a big ministry here. As teachers, we are Counselors too, mm-hmm. and I'll never be. We'll never but, be perfect. But yep. the the gospel is is. I think Ephesians two eight nine explains the gospel pretty well, along with being a, a new person in Christ. That's in Corinthians. But we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. Amen. And as you were counsel- hearing you giving that example of counseling someone, it's another example of knowing the gospel and applying it, not only teach it, but counseling too. Those verses just continually come up in, when you're asked a tough question, because we're saved by grace. You know, it's not by works. It's through faith. It's not of ourselves. So even God gives us enough faith to get saved at that moment. 
And I, I like to tell people that salvation, and Jesus said you must be born again. And what does that mean? Well, it's, it means that a miracle happens. And you, you mentioned something that was interesting. You said that God chooses us. And we had that discussion once in Sunday school class, you know, part of the, the book of John, which I'm teaching. And, and that is, you know, we are chosen by God, but we have a responsibility of, of responding sure. and receiving uh, election that was predetermined, Whoa. predestined. That's deep. I know. And I, I, but everybody got it because the, as far as what the Bible teaches, both are true. But I shared that with our human minds, we can't fully comprehend that. Yeah, that we pre, it was predetermined for us to be saved. We're predestined, but we have a responsibility of responding to the gospel call. So I just said, you know, I, I'm human. I, I don't fully understand that. It's, it's a miracle. Salvation, the born again experience, it's a miracle. God knows that we're going to get saved, but yet it's, we have a response to getting saved. And there's something that happens at that millisecond or whatever <laughs> it takes for us to get saved because it's, it's a moment that we believe. God being God, he knows our hearts. He'll, he will seal us with the Holy Spirit and we become a new, new person in Christ. But at that very moment, it's a miracle. We can't put a microscope on it to figure out. We can't have a mathematical ex- equation to explain it. We have cute little ways of trying to fully understand it. But the truth is being saved, becoming a Christian, being born again, it's the greatest miracle that anyone could experience. And as Christians, we should get excited about people getting saved because we're looking at a real miracle. You know, you get a lot of Christians around that are following, uh, may I be bold to say, a lot of false teachers, false gospels, and they're getting excited about miracles and signs and stuff. But the greatest miracle is someone coming to Christ and being a new person in Christ. True, true. So true. You know, I talked to someone the other day here at the shelter and got talking a little long enough that I felt comfortable to just say, when did you meet Jesus? And they just looked at me and they said, well, I was born into this particular religion. That was that. That was their answer. Now, friends, the flesh in me wanted to just say, like, wait a second, you're not saved. But I know better than that now because I'm not the judge. Secondly, I try to, like Paul says, to become all things to all people. Thirdly, so I'm going to try to relate to where they are. And I'm going to try to be quick to listen and slow to respond. I want to find out where they are because I truly cared about people and, and this particular individual too. Thirdly, I want to be gracious in the gospel presentation. I know there's a time and place just to be straight forth, right straight ahead, and just really give it to them. But I wanted to be gracious with this individual. And just, I listened, found out kind of where they're coming from, and then I'll continue to bring the good news as the doors are opened. And usually, like when we preach or bring a Bible study, we have those opportunities. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, somebody is seeking. If you seek, you will find. Yeah, we get so many people here from so many different situations. And then what I really like is that our teachers here preach the gospel, they preach the truth. And what happens is because you preach the gospel, you preach the truth, and you're consistent in that, they start to get questions in their minds. And they're like, wait a minute, am I saved? Am I a Christian? What what does this mean? And that I love because what you teach, Gary, what Al teaches, what I teach, I don't have to go, wait, Al said that? Hold on a second. No, that's not. Or you don't have he to say- He said the armor? Right. Or Gary, you don't have to say, wait, wait, is that what Seth said? Hold on a second. We're all on the same page when teaching the gospel. And so if, you know, someone will come to me and say, Gary said this on his message. What does he mean by that? Oh, well, this is what Gary's trying to explain to you. Yeah. Oh, I thought so. Or go so. ask Gary. Or, or, or go ask Gary. Right. Correct. You know, but but because I know Gary is teaching the truth and the gospel, I can easily explain to that person and not confuse or contradict anything that Gary has said. Yeah, a lot of times what we I, I find that I don't know what you guys are preaching on, you know, or, or teaching on. A lot of times there's overlap. 
Mm. And and mm. there's scriptures that are mentioned, and, and it's got to be kind of fun to sit in the audience to hear some of that. Occasionally, I hear someone's like, you know what? Somebody mentioned that the other day, one of the teachers. And so I just love that, how the Holy Spirit's working. I have an idea here, and it relates to the gospel and the Word of God called the parable of the sower. It's like a seed that's planted. Certainly people in the culture of Jesus's day, and, and us too, we can recognize, you know, that seed has potential. Put that in the ground, given the right conditions, something's likely to happen. And so uh, Jesus preached this parable, and then he explains it later. And there's four types of soil that this seed can fall in. This is found in Matthew chapter 13. I'm kicking this off in Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. He told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, in verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. This is the first seed. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in his heart. Speaking as the director here... You know, like we were saying earlier, we get a lot of folks from a lot of different walks of life. Some of them come in and have never heard the gospel message. And I think that's why it's so important that we are consistent, that we have the morning praise and prayer, that we have the Bible studies. That way, I think there's less of a chance of them not understanding. And they're free to ask questions. And they're free to start to feel that tug of the Holy Spirit, if that makes any sense to you. And so hopefully we don't have people who just kind of disregard it because it's just not for them, so to speak. Well, this is saying there's an evil influence. Right. Well, we're in a spiritual battle, right? And so we have the evil forces trying to keep these people from coming to get to know Jesus Christ. Here we are at the front lines on the other side, battling through the power of Christ, trying to get these folks to understand, to get to know Jesus Christ. And I think that's why it's so important that, one, we are consistent with our teaching, that we preach the truth, that we stay consistent in our behavior, our speech, all of these things, that we're living what Christ tells us to live like as an example. Satan is real. He's only one person. He's not God. Can't be everywhere ever. He's not all-powerful, not ever-present, and he's not all-knowing, but he has many demons. Jesus made it very clear when he was on the earth, the spirit of the Antichrist was present and is present today, and it will be present until Judgment Day. He is the one, the liar. He's the one that brings false Christ. Our battle is spiritual, mm. right, as Christians. I believe. Right, and you, yep. you alluded to that. The spiritual armor. Right. Sure. So there are so many ways that Satan can draw people away from Jesus, and he's really good at it. His deception is, like I I like to think that a good deception has a little bit of truth sprinkled in, but a a little bit, so people are drawn in. I've seen people, and they just, I know, we know that evil company can corrupt you. And so I've seen people that are here, and they're just like, wow. I wonder, too, if we could look at that as a, Gary, I know you've seen it, and Al, you've seen it, when we deal with people with addictions, and they do really well for a while. And as they start to get clear and start to be clear thinking, that call back to alcohol is so strong. Well, a lot of times it's somebody that says, come on over for a minute. You know, come on in. Let's just, you don't have to do anything, you know, or let's go back and having a couple isn't going to keep you out of heaven. You know that. And uh, like, come on. And then, you know, pretty soon, you know, they might be talking and and I I believe they're just, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? Mm. You know, and it's just, they started 
they don't even know they're doing the devil's handiwork. But right. there's people that are drawn away then and say like, oh, you don't need to stay on my couch for a while or something. I, I don't know how that what that all looks like, but there's definitely an evil influence that I, I believe is, well, it says it right here. There are those situations where the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in that heart. Hmm. The description of the person is that they don't understand. And they got questions. So, right. Next seed says, verse 5 of chapter 13 says, some fell on rocky places where it did not have enough soil. I think we started to kind of allude to that a little bit. And then Jesus, when he was explaining it farther down, he said that, verse 20, the one that receives the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, he quickly falls away. I think we see that too sometimes, don't we? We do. I see people that just, whoa, they raise their hand. And I'm not so sure that this, these verses are about salvation necessarily, but it's about receiving the word. And there's some people that they hear it and they're just like, yeah. I'm going to try better. (laughs) Or, wow, I really liked what I heard. But then here comes the troubles of the world or persecution comes because of the word and they fall away. I think sometimes we have to be careful not to be the cause of that, too, Mm. that we need to be. That's why I think grace is so important, because people are going to struggle, especially new Christians. Right. I mean, I still sin as as a person who's been a Christian as far back as I can remember. But I know I don't want to be the cause of someone stepping away or feeling like it's not worth it. I want to have grace for them because they're going to fall. They're going to stumble. But what helps a lot of them. Al is reaching down, picking them up and encouraging them, saying, hey, it's all right. You know, you messed up. Let's let's take it to the Lord. Let's look, seek his forgiveness and let's push on. I think the root grows a little deeper then when it that does. takes place. Yeah. When that grace is administered as, as fertilizer, if you may. So yeah. Gary wrote down a couple things here. His mind is clicking away. It is. We can't hear your mind clicking, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> but what do, you, what do you write down? Well, I was just thinking of the, the first one again. Um, I think of what Satan said uh, originally to uh, Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, did did God really say that? Ooh, mm, and yeah. It's. I think we could probably go through all these lists, but especially in, in the first one, is the Bible really true? Can we trust God's word? And I think Satan is has been saying and is saying today that same lie. It's just packaged differently, and it's for every single person. It, it could be packaged in a different way. It's the same lie. It's in the box but it's got a different wrapping, it's got a different bow, and it's presented to someone. Satan knows our weaknesses. He's got demons out there. He doesn't, can't read a mind or, or judge our heart. He doesn't do that, but he's, right. he knows our weaknesses. Yeah. And for an unbeliever, too, he knows exactly what triggers them because mm. he's probably the one that's been triggering it <laughs> mm. or he has that knowledge. So, And it's different for every person. And obviously, Jesus is covering, covering every situation where the Word of God comes to somebody and in the, except for the last example that we may get to, it's all unbelievers, all reasons that he is deceiving someone into not believing the Word. And to bring it in a practical, up-to-date situation, it's the Bible. The Word is, is the Bible. Yeah. Yes. It's the yeah. Bible. Yeah, it yeah. is the Bible. Yeah. I, I see the trouble part here in this second example. You know, somebody receives it, and then trouble comes. It's safe to say that there's going to be trouble in the world. That's just life in this world as we know it. If anyone was to say, oh, once you become a believer, your troubles are gone. But no, that's not true. No, we're told that— Narrow is the yeah. gate. Right. And difficult is the 
away. And we're told that through much tribulation will we see the kingdom of heaven. You know, and so we're going to have troubles. Yeah. How do we react to that? As a mm. believer, as a child of God, we're hopefully going to be different. We know that we have a caring father, and he's going to give us what we need to see us through those times of trouble. Now, a new person or someone who's just heard the word, and they get excited. They do. They receive it with joy. They're like, this is, sounds good. I like the sound of this. But then all of a sudden, you know, since there's no root, it only lasts a short time. It hasn't grown deep. There's a list of progression in Romans 5, where it says, if you persevere, that's going to build character, and if character will, will lead to hope, and hope doesn't disappoint. There's this progression that as you deal with things, and you will have those trials and tribulations, Oh yeah, your faith will grow deeper, and this happens, and then some people, I've seen people that are like, they're all excited, and then, hmm. hey, where'd so-and-so go? And they're just, well, they just checked out. We don't know. See, isn't that the importance that of, it does, yeah, it, it isn't that the importance of the involvement of the church? In people's lives. True. Just, you know, how are you doing? What's up? Haven't seen you in a couple Sundays. Is everything okay? Because sometimes, you know, even as someone like me, I've had moments in my life when I'm like, well, where, where is God? What's going on? Why aren't you helping me here? What, why am I going through this? And eventually I've just grown to just trust God. He's going to get you through it. You're going to be okay. He's going to, he's got this all. You just got to trust him. But as a young Christian, it can be pretty scary yeah. to trust God. Which is so important why older people in the faith should be sharing that testimony. Uh, us here at this table, we've been through stuff. Mm. We've been through stuff. And we will go through more stuff, too. We're not going to give up by mm. God's grace. And so, yeah, we need to be able to encourage people that there is, even though your life may be on pause, there is light at this end of the tunnel. Truly, His light. Mm. It says in verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Thorns aren't fun to deal with. Jesus interprets this and says in verse 22, the one that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of the world, worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Here's a case. They fell among thorns. And what are the thorns that choke the plant? They are the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth. Your best life now? <laughs> <laughs> Prosperity preaching, anybody? What does it gain a man, right? Right. If he gains the whole world, yet loses Lose. his soul. Amen. What does it profit? Nothing. Amen. I've seen the things we gain in the world define us rather than allowing God to define us. So we're keeping up with the Joneses. I got to have this. I got to have that. I'm not important unless I have a two-story house. I'm not important unless my wife and I both have a car. What version phone do you have? Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's true, right? So we're judging each other based on our possessions rather than who we're possessed by. And I think that is where this comes into play. Uh, you know, well, I could be a Christian, but wait, I don't know if I want to be known as a Christian. Nobody likes Christians, but... If I have that Escalade and my friends see me driving my Escalade, boy, they'll think I, I good talked to a guy the other day, well, it was a while ago now, but he said, I come from a different neighborhood than you, okay? Yeah. He says, first thing we do before we even shake a hand, we look down at people's shoes. What do you got on for sneakers? That's how he was going to grade someone. I mean, well, if you look down at mine, they're going to be pretty sad, <laughs> you know, but he had some sparkling Air Jordans of some sort on, you know, and, you know, that was the status. That was what they were seeking after. This here says that, boy, there's deceitfulness involved in that wealth, mm. and it chokes things out. Money isn't the most important thing in the world. We at this table know it's relationships. Oh, yes, that's the context of the, the message here. Is I, I look at this as a, 
very strong gospel message. And it's all these examples are keeping us from the Word, the Word of God. And the Word of God points us to Jesus. And Jesus is telling this parable. His desire is for, for people to repent and believe. That's his whole thing. I believe the one intended meaning for these verses is examples why people don't believe in the Word and get saved. I think the application can be for Christians because there are examples here of unbelievers. These are examples of unbelievers, non-Christians, not getting saved, not receiving the Word and getting saved. The things, the obstacles that are... Right. Right. And... It's a list of things that anybody could be guilty of or experience sure. uh, in life. And you guys are doing a very good job in explaining that, that, that Christians can get involved in being uh, Well, I don't think unfocused. we're talking about Christians. I think we're talking about those that are, that are unsaved, too. Well, it, okay. it, could, it yeah. could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, it, these are things that can interfere with a Christian's growth. Right. I agree with you. That's the application. Right. right. And I agree with you, too, that what Jesus is saying here is, you know, hey, this is why people aren't repenting and growing in me is because of these, these three bad soils, if you will, these places of... Watch what happens in the fourth soil. Um, this is the one that makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> right. And this is my prayer, too, as we spread the word of God that someone told me, they go, when, when we preach to you, we prayed that the seed would fall on good soil. Yeah. And so I'd like to think maybe that was answered to some extent, but it says, verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. Mm-hmm where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then it's further explained in verse 23, but the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Amazing. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. It brings us right back to the gospel. We're saved by grace of faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, least any, any man should boast. Mm. There's a lot of people out there preaching that a false gospel that works is involved in our salvation. And mm. there, there is no works of anybody that saves us. And Jesus is making a point here. Where are the works coming in? Right. No, amen. It's after salvation. Right. And There's the crop. And, and James <laughs> yeah. in chapter 2, verse 17 says, if you don't have any works, your faith is dead. It doesn't say you don't have a certain amount of works, a certain kind of works. It says no works. So if you have no works, you have no faith. And people like to uh, present a false gospel at and saying that James, uh, in James, it's saying that uh, works is a part of salvation. But Scripture interprets scriptures. James complements Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Right. They agree with each other. And Jesus is confirming that also right here, that once the seed is planted in your heart, once you're saved, good, godly works will follow. Amen. Period. Amen. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, that's true, though. It's true. Faith without works is dead. So right. how can you say you have faith if you have no works? Right. And where does the faith come from? Well, belief in Jesus Christ. Right. Right. I remember on the last podcast, I said, uh, it's impossible to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and not be changed. It's impossible. I like the idea of this yes. good soil, though, too. You know, just, you know, I think that more word, more word, more, you know, mm. the more you know about the Lord, the more you're going to just fall in love with him and find know that he's in love with you. It just, it is amazing. You know There's your good soil. And then your heart just is open to so many things because it, he just reveals so much to you, too. To me, that sounds like the application. But in here is the good soil is someone saying, I'm a wretched sinner. I'm terrible. Yeah. I need salvation. Tilling that soil. They understand it. Tilling it. They understand what what the need is. Amen. That's good, Gary. I believe that's the intended meaning. Of course, we can apply these verses in many applications, but... Amen. 
hears the word and understands it. Amen. Yeah. Well, folks, we want to thank you for giving us your ears uh, this evening and for listening to Shelters by Jesus Radio. That was uh, Al and myself and Pastor Gary Staples. If you'd like to learn more about Shelters by Jesus, you can do so by going to www.sheltersbyjesus.com. There you can find a way to support the ministry. If you're interested in doing that, you can watch our documentary, get some books about uh, Pastor Barry and the miracles of God here at the shelter. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, you can go to sbjradio.com. You can give us an old-fashioned phone call at 207-474-8833, or you can write us a letter at 12 McClellan Street, Skowhegan, Maine, 04976. Al, it was really good to see you, sir. Uh, Good to see you, too, and Gary. That's awesome. Yes, this has been a real joy. I I, I love fellowshipping with other believers and talking about the Word. There's nothing better. Amen. Amen.